0: Got time for a quick story. One of the most fun songs I remember hearing on the radio as a kid was Hourglass by Squeeze back in 1987. I loved the chorus. Take it to the bridge, throw it overboard, see if it can swim, back up to the shore, no one's in the house, everyone is out, all the lights are on and the blinds are down. I loved that. It's just constantly moving and moving and moving and moving. And as a kid, you hear quirky stuff like that on the radio and you're drawn to that. Squeeze was a different kind of band. They are a different kind of band. They're celebrating their 45th anniversary on tour in 2019, and their music has both appealed commercially and critically. Their lyrics are deeper than what you would hear in your average pop song. And with them coming to the Upper Midwest around where... I'm based in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, coming to Milwaukee, the Pabst Theatre, September 1st, and the State Theatre in Minneapolis on September 3rd as part of the Difford and Tilbrook Songbook 2019, referring to Chris Difford and Glenn Tilbrook of Squeeze. thought we would talk to Squeeze, and in particular, Glenn Tilbrook, who you hear is the lead vocalist on most Squeeze songs. The tour, we're recording this on August 21st. Glenn, this has been going on for a week now, right?
1: Yeah, just every week, Um, and uh, it's it's been amazing. You know, um, something's happened with us, and you know, I like to think it's because of the way we are. But we, our ticket sales are up, and we've got more people coming to shows. You know, we played to three thousand people in Washington uh, the the other day, and they went absolutely nuts. and You know, I think we're we're a really good band now. I think we're paying proper attention and people go bananas for what we're doing and I'm really happy about that.
0: Do you find any difference in American crowds versus crowds in the UK or elsewhere in the world? And do you find the reaction different today as opposed to, say, late 70s, 80s or 90s or at any other point in your career?
1: Um, Yeah, firstly, late 70s, early 80s. All your audience is the same age as you. <laughs> um, fast forward to now, um, we have a demographic that's really mind-boggling. You know, we have we have kids coming that are not with their parents or their grandparents. They're there for themselves to see us, and uh, that is, you know, uh, it's just amazing. And you see the reaction in the crowd. So we have, you know, people have been with us the whole time. People have found us late, and people... Who you know have just found us, and uh, that is a you know is you can't legislate for that. It's just happened, and I'm really grateful.
0: I was reading the story in Billboard about the tour, and there was a quote from you about songs that maybe weren't recorded the the way you were you would have hoped to do, and so they're being reimagined a bit on tour what are some of the prime examples of a song that you're doing now kind of the way you wished you could have done when they were recorded way back in the day
1: <clears throat> okay so uh, we did an album called cozy fan tutti Fruity in 1985 and i think that album is the most produced album that squeeze ever did and also was the most of its time record, you know. Um, So it's very 1985, and it sounds like it. It sounds like it now. And I listened to, for a long time, I've been put off of doing those songs because I couldn't see past the production. And, you know, it's like, it sounds ugly to me now, uh, mostly. Um, But then we went back to, Chris and I went back to the demos (coughs) and found out, (coughs) for instance... Uh, there's a song called King George Street on, on that record, and when I demoed it, I was thinking really of Fleetwood Mac, sort of Rumours-type Fleetwood Mac, really simple, melodic, beautiful. And we managed to sort of somehow disguise that on the record, and now we're doing it in a way that I thought it should have been done when I wrote it, and it sounds so great. You know, you don't always get records right. Um uh, but the songs are there to be dug out if you've got the time, and we have the time.
0: Conversely, of all of the songs that you have done, w- when did you guys feel that you most nailed the original intention of the song in the process of going to the studio with the technology and arrangements of the time?
1: <clears throat> well, I'm going to um, I'm going to argue against myself now because there's another. You know, I'd say the record "Tempted" is uh, probably one of the best records we we ever did, but that was the second time we recorded it. You know, we'd recorded another version that was more like sort of ELO, but not very good ELO. And if that version of the song had come out, it would be not the song that people know it as today and not remembered nearly as fondly. So sometimes you need to have another crack at at, at stuff. And, you know, we're tempted. It just feels like, and I remember hearing it back in the studio when we just cut it and it just, felt like a record
0: Mm -hmm. of the producers you work with and i know east side story and referring to tempted again in particular working with elvis costello and i understand correct me if i'm wrong but there were a whole bunch of names you were hoping to work with on a four-sided album i think paul mccartney was one of the intended ones Mm. am i correct on that
1: well yeah i mean it was a plan that was in the air but it just never actually came to fruition right but you know what the the album ended up great so i'm very
0: happy with it 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 did and it's a wonderful sounding sounding record of all the producers you could have wanted to work with over time who would you have most wanted to have in the studio if you could have gotten them and even to this day if you hit hit up the studio again for another new album new tracks who would you want to work with behind the board <clears throat>
1: um do you know i we had an opportunity at one point to work with Niall Rogers, and we chose not to, and you know, I wish we had a, <laughs> I'd still like to work with him, he's so great, he's so creative and, and such a great player, and he also has a fantastic ear for uh, song, songwriting, deconstructing songs and putting them back together, and that's a, that's a gift in itself, so I'd like to work with him.
0: Your songwriting in particular, it, it's the, by and large, is the musical element of what we've heard in Squeeze and over, over time. How do you write a song? Let's break this down. I mean, does it begin with a melody, chords, the rhythm? Is there a particular instrument you usually use? When, you, when the idea first hits you, how does that assemble into a song?
1: Okay, so if an idea hits me out of nowhere... Uh, that's really lucky and i'll take that every time because it happens so rarely um with us it's all we're always lyric driven so the lyric will be the first thing Uh, and then i put um i put music to that and i always try and get myself into a situation a where i have no distractions b I have something unfamiliar to work with. So, like, recently I've been writing a lot on ukulele because I'm not very good at it. And the same applies with piano for me. You know, if I can fumble my way around the piano and I'm not a very good piano player, that gives me lots of opportunities to explore different chord signatures that I wouldn't normally come up with on a guitar, which is my first instrument.
0: Mm-hmm. Which instrument do you find most fascinating to work with?
1: right now it's 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 a ukulele because it just has a wonderful way of throwing up odd chords um that you then transcribe back to guitar and piano and think wow well, I'd never have done that on that instrument you know but with a ukulele it throws up wonderful uh permutations and you can hear that you know I know the beatles worked a lot with uh, uh Ukuleles, and you you listen to a song like um, "Here Comes the Sun" or something. I think actually was a ukulele song as well. Uh, And uh, when you play on ukulele, it just makes perfect sense.
0: Now lyrically, Chris Difford provided those, and you and you said songs would start with the lyric. Once you got his words for for any song, was there one or two or three in particular when you got the words and went? Wow, this just blew you out of the water. Are there any that really stand out from from Chris?
1: <clears throat> oh well, many lyrics that really stand out. Um, certainly, um, when I got the lyric to "Up the Junction," uh, I thought it was so wonderful. We'd written story songs before, um, but that perhaps was one of the best realised. You know, it tells a complete story. And my job was to convey that in as short a time as possible. There's a lot of information there. So it's more or less solid vocal the whole way through. And so my job was to entice people in, but not to get in the way of the story. you know. And I, I, I felt, when I read that lyric, it was so special. And uh, actually, that was quite easy for me to write. So that's another one of those lucky songs.
0: I have been fascinated by the lyricism in Squeeze songs, and I find that there's so much depth there. Again, it's a storytelling thing. It's not simple, simple, simple lyrics like you hear on a lot of pop songs today. And I notice a certain element of cleverness. What would you say is maybe one of the more clever songs that is in the Squeeze discography? You
1: know, um, that's really... Okay, so there's a song on East Side Story called Mumbo Jumbo, and Chris, I think, is very playful in his use of words in that song, and he deploys lyrics that don't necessarily make strict sense but have an imagery about them that is wonderful, and I think that's the song that springs to mind when you ask that question.
0: (laughs) What would you say is the most, I guess, the most prestigious honor or compliment from any individual, perhaps, that you've received for your or the band's music or songwriting? I mean, that, it could be an award or it could just have been someone saying, hey, I really like blank, I like I like your music. Which one is maybe the most rewarding that you've gotten in your career?
1: Well, you know, <clears throat> the other night, uh, I think... Three nights ago, we played at the Kennedy Center in Washington. It's a beautiful, beautiful concert hall. Um, It was sold out. The crowd went mad. And I just had a moment thinking, you know, it's weird. We've we've not been this big in Washington ever before. We've not played to a crowd that size. And um, it felt like a really wonderful affirmation of, what we've been doing for the last 40 plus years you know there were a lot of people there and they loved us
0: your band currently as is assembled in know it was about seven people on stage would did i did i read that this is like the largest
1: yes, seven uh, seven of us yes version to yeah. the magnificent seven <laughs> <laughs>
0: how how would you say this sound of squeeze is i mean is it possible to compare this to other lineups over the years how, how would you describe this Co- particular collection of, of personnel.
1: Okay, um, I think that's that's a good good one because you have a certain set of musicians that gel together, and we've been sort of tinkering around with this year after year. And at the moment, I think we have the most perfect lineup we have ever had. It's like it's musically very wise. It's there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of love that goes into the playing. And, um, there's a, there's a freshness and a spontaneity to the way that we play that conveys itself to people. And, you know, you can see that. And I know that from past reactions that we've had, you know, certainly say, let's say in the nineties, I think squeeze as a band sort of went off the boil a little bit. And it's like being a slowly cooked lobster. You sort of don't know you're in the pan until you're there and it's too late. Um, uh, So when we got the band back together in 2007, I wanted it never to ever get like that again, and I think we haven't. I think we've just got better in the time that we've been together this time.
0: Now, translating that to new music, and again, citing that Billboard article, but that is a lot of good information. I would encourage anyone listening to this to to read that. It's a good summary of what's going on right now. You you mentioned at the end about new music and possibly doing some new stuff. What would that... Like, in, would that be necessarily a song here or there? I know a lot of artists who used to do a lot of albums are doing an individual track here or there and maybe do an EP. What would you guys envision? And I presume this would involve the entire band going into the studio, would it?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I I have my own studio, and uh, I got that so that I needn't be beholden to anyone else to, to want to create. And I think that creativity is at, at the heart of what we do. Can always reflect our past as long as we pay attention to it. But there's an extra bit to the band being good, which is that we've got to feel in some way that we're pushing forwards. And you know, records are sort of dead as far as a commercial proposition is concerned, but they're not dead as far as you know being creative and pulling the people along with you who who are interested in what you do. That's not going to sustain us as a band, but, but it will enrich us as a band.
0: Which contemporary artists are you most admiring nowadays?
1: Uh, this is going to be a really British answer, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, there's uh, a poet called Kate Tempest who has made two fantastic records. Um, I really like Stormzy, who's <laughs> You know, people might not expect me to like, but he's a fantastic rapper. Um, and who else? Uh, I'd say, oh, yeah, here's a good tip. Uh, my 16-year-old son, Leon Tilbrook. He's on uh, Spotify, Apple Music. He's got a band called the Woolheim Scream. And um, he's just released a song. He's brilliant.
0: Let's take a listen to that. Of all of your music that you've done, uh, well, let, let's stick to Squeeze here, because, but of all the albums that you guys have released, if you were to recommend a Squeeze album to someone who's not that familiar with your work, for example, my wife and I are going to be going to uh, probably the Minneapolis concert, and she's not as familiar as I am with, with the music. So what would you recommend for a first-time listener to say, here's, here's the good picture of Squeeze?
1: Uh, can I make it two records? Sure. Because... I think, uh, for, you know, to, for, to sum up early squeeze, singles, 45s and under, is an excellent starting point. And then I think, actually, the last record we did, The Knowledge, is a really good point to see where we're at now. And there's a big through point to the, both of those albums. You can tell it's the same band,
0: but there's a different sound sort of struck by that listening to that as I was preparing for the interview and going yep, that sounds like that sounds like squeeze that sounds like squeeze and it's different because it's not necessarily what the other thing that I that I've admired and I'm sure a lot of music followers and fans have admired is I don't necessarily hear one obvious genre sound it's I I don't I don't think you can really qu- quantify or classify your sound it is it's squeeze but it's not like a genre
1: you know what? And I think the, one of the records that we did that best on was our second album, Call for Cats. You know, that defies, you know, we, we never have been a genre band, I think. And I think that eventually, you know, commercially maybe that made it us a harder sell, but for our lifespan, it's, it's a lifesaver. You know, it's a, it's a good thing
0: one more question for you before we let you go and looking through all the old music videos, uh, I'm fascinated by the history of music video and you guys were cutting music videos pre-MTV. You were already on that, well versed in that before that even started. Of all the videos you've done in your career, what was maybe your favorite or what is a standout memory from cutting those clips?
1: Um, You know, uh, I think my favorite video actually is Footprints in the Frost. We did that in uh, Utah when we were on tour in 1987. And it just captured a moment in the band's history of being on the road. And being on the road is when you're most together as a band, I think.
0: This is a classic amount of music to listen to, and a lot of people are going to be hearing it on the Difford and Tilbrook Songbook 2019 tour. Again, coming to Milwaukee, Paps Theatre, September 1st. Minneapolis, the State Theatre, September 3rd, among many other locations. Glenn Tilbrook, it's been an honor to talk to you after hearing your music for so, so, so many years to get a chance to to chat and be looking forward to seeing you guys on tour. Best of luck on the tour across the country.
1: Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. I'm really grateful. Thank you.
0: Glenn Tilbrook there from Squeeze, and you got to see them on this current tour. The Difford and Tilbrook Songbook 2019 Tour for Squeeze – Going to be in the Upper Midwest in Milwaukee Sunday, September 1st at the Pabst Theater. That's an 8 p.m. show. Two days later, Tuesday, September 3rd in Minneapolis at the State Theater at 8 o'clock. By the way, KT Tunstall will be the opening act on those shows. I got a whole lot of other dates with different opening acts as well across the country. Make sure to check them out if you get the opportunity. This has been the latest edition of Got Time for a Quick Story. Again, thanks to my employer, Greatest Hits 98.1 Radio in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, for providing the studio to record this podcast. You can also listen to this interview and other interviews done at GreatestHits98.1.com. And also make sure you subscribe to the Got Time for a Quick Story podcast so you get immediate notifications of when new episodes arrive via Apple, Android, Stitcher, Spotify. However you listen, make sure you subscribe and make sure you rate it. Got time for a quick story? I'm Luke Anthony.